Alright, welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Conversations, title may be changing. <laughs> so uh, today we've got Murray Scott on the podcast, uh, one of my good mates, known him for quite a long time and uh, I'll let him introduce himself. Yes, thanks for having me on lads, uh, absolute privilege to be to be the first guest I suppose in Coffee and Conversations and um, I'm excited to see where you guys take it. So yeah, um, the idea was to stay close to home with who we get on, um, st- you know, from there, stay close and then expand, hopefully, uh, around, you know, mm-hmm. Scotland, UK, uh, if we can, but... No, yeah, for sure. But I think as well, like, the fact, well, when we first spoke about this, we said we wanted to keep it close to home because, really, they're probably people who have one of the most impacts on our lives on a daily basis. This is the people we, we see the most often, whereas it's cool to go and get like big celebrities on and people who are super influential, but you don't actually know them properly. So like maybe we get there one day, but for now, I think we have main, to make do with Murray. Yeah, <laughs> I think the main thing is to make it relatable. So a lot of people, hopefully, listening to this can relate to the position that me and Blair have been in, but also hopefully most of our guests, because you know we've all got to start from somewhere. And yeah. It's a pleasure to have you on, Muzz. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. So, uh, what we thought we'd do is start, you know, from a young age for you, and what really were the big things that happened to you early on that kind of shaped what you're like today. Yeah, sweet. So, um, I suppose from a very young age, I've always been involved in sport. Um, you know, I started off with tennis as you know maybe a six, seven year old. Um, accompanied that with like football as I was growing up through primary school and then I played a bit of golf as well here and there um, but it was sort of when I, I changed school when I left Juniper Green and moved to Watson's when I sort of um, found rugby and I suppose I sort of found that sport that I preferred the most and wanted to pursue um, so sort of with regards to the fitness side of things um, and you know the training etc from quite a young age to get you into the the gym um, with regards to the rugby stuff so I think it's about under 14 under 15 they introduce you to the weight room um, and it does start off very basic like like most training sort of um, progression should um, just teaching you through the sort of main main compound movements and stuff that's going to sort of serve you um, on the rugby field um, and then I suppose from there I sort of I took a an instant um, like to it um, you know I'm not particularly large not particularly fast, so I suppose I identified that if I can work a little bit harder in the in the weight room, then you know I was able to gain an advantage over over competitors in that way. Yeah, and that's something like from my perspective that perspective I have seen. Um, obviously, I've been through school with Muzz, so I can see it from like a young age, and it's not like just a fad because um, I think the main thing nowadays that you see are people go through these twelve week. You know, half year training programs and then fall back out of it. It's probably for, more for the love than yeah. anything else. And coupled up with that, sport, rugby in particular, played a massive part in why you trained, uh, as you uh, spoke about there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think ultimately, like, um, enjoyment was at the forefront of it from the get go. Um, you know, the environment in which I sort of got introduced to the weight room, etc. Um, you know, you're with a group of lads, whether it's school or your your club team, and um, you know everyone's on the same journey, and 
wanted to move in the same direction so it makes it that wee bit easier um, rather than it become something that's been forced upon me or, or something that I've had to do it's always been something that I've chosen to do yeah. um, and I think ultimately you know I just enjoyed working hard and, and then you know reaping the rewards off the back of that so um, yeah I suppose that's what sort of started off my fitness career yeah, nice. so it's almost like from from that young age because you were like made yourself work hard to get into that position then that then I suppose shaped into like what you're doing now and it's definitely carried forward yeah yeah I think so um, you know coming to where I am now at, you know started off at school where you know there maybe be a couple of lads that like the look of what you're doing and they'll ask you know how are you doing that or what are you doing that for and then from there you know you you whap out your Microsoft Word and chuck together some <laughs> some garbage four week program that you probably look back on now and think God that's awful but um you know I think that that started it all and then you know once you realise that oh I've actually helped this person in a way um you know that's when you really find the the love for it and and then I maybe sort of identified then you know I could potentially make a career from from helping people um with with their fitness and stuff. Did you like question your coaches and stuff like if you were not like question like talk back but like he was the one like, <laughs> why why am I doing this like what's this for or did you kind of just kind of research on your own? Um, I I definitely did a lot of research on my own. Um, spent a lot of time on YouTube watching, you know, <laughs> ziz yeah, ziz and six pack shortcuts and and all Teenage that yeah all that kind of rubbish stuff and working out you know, um, what the genuine stuff was from the fads that you know you previously mentioned um, but um, you know I was in a fortunate position with the rugby system that I was coached by very sort of um, qualified strength and conditioning coaches who themselves have either been professional athletes or um, they've coached many professional athletes to you know move on and have very successful careers. I think uh, we take that for granted though at the time you don't yeah, you know sure. fully appreciate like the level of these people especially for you know, us at school, you know, we went, we went to Strip Island, Blair, me and Murray went to Watson's, like, mm-hmm. you do come across some pretty yeah, decent yeah. individuals, not just, you know, their personality and stuff, it's also their sporting, you know, experience, their knowledge, and, yeah. yeah, their knowledge in the game, and obviously Murray's taken off on something that they were doing for him, mm-hmm. you know, they were putting together strength and condition for him, yet he's the one that's taken that and put it into a career, so... Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't really say thank you directly, but <laughs> it's one of those things that you look back and be like, yeah, that guy helped me. Was yeah. there one guy in particular that did kind of change your perception of it and make you think, um, you know, I want to take this up? Or was it just a, a love for, you know, fitness in general? Um, there's probably like three main sort of figures that sort of shaped my... Um, teenage years etc so first one would be Andrew Barnett which Marks will know he's the George Watson's at the time strength and conditioning coach and um, you know at school he had a bit of a reputation for being you know pretty strict and brutal and um, just not a particularly friendly guy but <laughs> once you strip that back you know it, it sort of his true colours shown and you know ultimately all he wanted was the best for you and um in my sixth year at school, uh, we were in when the cup run with the rugby, and I picked up a ligament issue in my ankle. And every day, Monday to Friday in the mornings, he'd come in early, and we would do rehab together. And you know, I'm sort of forever grateful for that. And then, progressing past school, um, Jack Walsh, who's used to work with Scotch rugby, 
he spent a lot of time with me and you know um, assisted in my strength and conditioning and then um, of late um, Chris Leck who's now in charge of the Scotland men's strength and conditioning stuff again another guy that you know I, I looked up to um, especially with him you know he's just an absolute beast himself <laughs> like you get a few SNC coaches that are telling you to do you know all sorts of running reps and intervals etc but you know he walk the walk as well as talk yeah, the talk yeah, and yeah. Um, for anyone that doesn't know what he looks like he's an absolute animal <laughs> <laughs> fair play so I'm just going like after school um, just for our listeners that might not know uh, you went off to France yeah. uh, for rugby mm. um, however I just want to touch upon how take rugby at the equation that was a huge decision you know you're 18 years old and you decide to go to a part of France that very little people speak English you know you've never been before kind of going into the unknown how did that come around and how did you deal with it um, so when I was leaving, leaving sixth year at school I was I was young for the year so I was only 17 in the February that I left so you know I weighed up my options and I had opportunities to go to university and um, get a degree but I thought you know um, I've got I've got another year of under 18 rugby stuff, which was the goal at the time, and then following that under 20. So um, when I left school, my head coach at the time, uh, Ali Donaldson, was friends with a guy called Neil McElroy, who's the, the director of rugby in Claremont. Um, so he sent him over an email, just explained my situation, that I was young, um, I want to take a year just to you know really have a crack with the rugby. In terms of what was available in Scotland, the options were playing under 18s again which for me was probably a backward step because I you know won everything I could in under 18 level in Scotland or trying to progress into men's immediately and you know for those of you who are listening and kind of know the Scottish rugby system is that you know it's hard for a schoolboy to break into a first team and um, play the top end rugby you know when you're 18 19 whatever it is so um, yeah I went over to France went for a sort of a two-week trial period and then off the back of that they offered me a contract so I was playing for the Claremont under 18s team um, and I was there for about about a year and a half um, and yeah I mean the whole experience was ridiculous you know I mean I think looking back on it now you know there was probably occasions where I took advantage of it and you know probably didn't quite appreciate how um, a privileged position I was in um, but again it's still something that I look back on with you know very fond memories and there's still guys that I you know played with then four years ago from now um, that I'm still in contact with on a weekly basis so um, yeah I've sort of found friends for life off that nice what do you reckon was one of the biggest things you learned when you were there then it's a big one <laughs> what was the biggest thing um what would I say I think you know if we're comparing you know cultures um in a sporting environment it was quite skewed in France um, you know so a particular example is where, where you'd stay in Clermont um, all the team would stay together in sort of like a, an apartment complex um, which was quite cool but that was overlooking the stadium um, for anyone who's been to Clermont on the stadium on the outside of the stadium you've got a Subway a McDonald's and I think another fast food chain Anyway, um, I bet they got rid. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? So, um, you know, if if one of your S and C coaches were to walk past and see you, 
see you um, in Subway or McDonald's picking up a burger or whatever it is you get your head kicked in you know you'd be on <laughs> quite literally yeah, you'd be on you'd be on fat club for the rest of the week or whatever it was which is just like a walk bike session every morning for a week but on the flip side of that um, there was guys my age 16, 17 showing up to training with a cigarette in their mouth and like a beer after a game no it's like it's just such a you know bizarre contrast where you know nutrition is obviously vitally important but they just massively overlook the consumption of the cigarettes cigarettes and alcohol <laughs> um, I would say yeah I think just ultimately the whole the whole setup over there was far more professional you know um, even at under 16 and under 18 you get all your accommodation paid for you get all your food paid for you get all your travel paid for you're touring around France playing against Toulon Toulouse Perpignan Bordeaux blah 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 um, and you're in training like pros from 15, 16 um, whereas here um, it's only once you really sort of break in towards pro, pro environments that you'll get exposure to that um, but yeah I suppose there was, there was just little minor yeah. twinges in, in culture there that were very different from what um, I've experienced here So do you think, you know, looking back now you're probably not naive but you're, it was a bit of an eye opener looking back thinking Christ that's uh, one situation of how to play rugby in, or one experience and then here it's just so divert like unique yeah I mean um, for those of you that have you know ever been coached by a French coach I can have to wear yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're all pricks <laughs> they're all, all arseholes and it's a very sort of forward oriented game and it's all about aggression and beating up the opposition whereas you'd be um, rubbish at that then exactly at yeah. five foot nothing and seven, <laughs> yeah. 70 kilos soaking wet isn't really my forte um, so yeah I suppose um, both both nations have massively different approaches um, and you know at first I was probably less willing to adapt to them mm. or to the style of play that we you know we tried to um, go with at Claremont, um, which is probably something you know I probably probably could have done better while I was there. But mm. um, you know it's hard being in the position that I'm in because it's sort of a key component of scrum half is is the ability to communicate. And when I got there, I had in two French <laughs> and bonjour. That, that, yeah, that, that was about it. I could tell you my sister was going to the cinema or something <laughs> and I've got a dog but I'm going uh, to the swing pool yeah there. exactly um, so yeah um, that was obviously obviously a challenge as well no, nice. so the next step for you was obviously coming back to Scotland mm-hmm. um, how did that come about how did you feel like why did it happen yeah so um, I suppose Maybe two things that meant I came back. So first of all, in France, they changed the rules on the number of foreign players you can have per team. Um, so I think they put a cap on something like five per squad or five per match day or something like that. Um, but at the time we had twenty, so we had twenty foreign <laughs> lads. So obviously, obviously, some of us had to go. So there was myself from Scotland. We had two Spanish lads, um, South African, Argentinian, Samoan, four Fijians, four Georgians. So it's like these these things are out of your control. Yeah. So, so I mean, that was one thing that was out of my, my control. There was an opportunity to come back, uh, to stay in France, sorry, and you know, try, try play for another club. But um, having played at, at what I would regard as one of the you know the highest clubs in in the league, everything else seemed like a bit of a downgrade. Mm. As well as that, um, I 
was trying to get in the under 18 squad for for Scotland in that year and one of the things I got told was simply that um, they hadn't seen enough of me uh, <laughs> which was obviously a frustration considering I was in another country um, so is that just because they hadn't seen you play? Yeah, I mean, obviously, our games were videoed and stuff, yeah. but um, it's frustrating. Yeah, you don't, you know, I didn't take part in any of the the regional matches or the east versus west kind of stuff too. Yeah. So, um, they went for another option in that. So, um, I then made the decision to come back, um, and yeah, it was from there. I was sort of weighing up my options again. I still had opportunities to go to university, but. Again, I wasn't I wasn't too keen on it. I was still, you know, trying to pursue um, the rugby thing then, um, and I, I, you know, I've always said like, if the opportunity was to come about, I'd one hundred percent take it. I can always go back and do a degree or mm. go into an office job, whatever it is later in life. But yeah. um, you know, there's obviously a shelf life on um, professional sport. So I came back um, and joined back up with Watsonians which is sort of the former pupil clubs of the, the school that I went to um, and needed something to do while I was playing rugby alongside it so I did my level 3 qualification um, oh god knows I did that about 4, four or 5 years ago now um, and then I and got myself a job at Nuffield, Nuffield once I was qualified which Nuffield was it again? Um, I was at Crowden Park and what what made you get that qualification? Because I mean, obviously you like your fitness, but was there a key factor? Did someone mention it to you? Or um, I think you know, um, like I mentioned previously, you know, I have always enjoyed being fit myself and 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 working hard. So then I thought you know, um, at the time, which I'm probably looking back at now, I wasn't very well informed, and I've definitely you know. Developed. I feel like you can always say that. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, but I mean, I think like if you don't look back and cringe at some of the stuff you've maybe said or done or <laughs> written for someone, then you've never really made too much progress. Yeah, so. yeah. Because then that probably means you're still writing the same things. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, I think it was just I have the opportunity to get a qualification, which means I can first of all get paid <laughs> doing something I love but then also help multiple people while while I'm doing it so I think that was the main factor I didn't want to commit to a uni degree yeah. you know I didn't want to go work in hospitality or anything like that because I had no no real interest in that so yeah. um, you know the the personal training qualification was definitely um, you know the primary primary focus alongside the rugby at the time and I think the main thing was for you not sitting behind the desk because you have literally been out playing rugby, not even looking at probably like a word document while the rest of your school year are all sat in uni, you know, going out of the piss, not really achieving much in the first year. Yeah, uh -huh. you're out, you know, trying to get a career. So I mean, at that age it is a pretty mature approach to take. Yeah. Like looking back on it you probably don't see it that way, but it is because you learn, you know, from what you've done, uh, abroad, especially in a different country, I think kind of have to take your hats off to that because not many people get that opportunity yeah I think like you know the the experiences that I've had and the um, sort of things I've learned from the you know f four or five years since I left school are just as valuable as a as a degree that says 2-1 or whatever um, which is you know I think it's put me or massively helped in putting me in the position that I am today mm. 
But you're at uni now, are you not? Um, I'm currently <laughs> deferred for the year. <laughs> deferred. Um, reason being is that, you know, a good reason, that the online stuff. Yeah. Right? And my, my coaching and employment through CaveFit is, uh, you know, really taken off. So, I, you know, I thought, I mean, the degree sort of came about in lockdown where gyms were shut and uh, I wasn't doing much face-to-face stuff. So I thought, you know what, I'll just do a degree while while I'm waiting for this COVID market <laughs> to blow over. Um, so I did, you know, my first year and then and then since then I've kind of put it on the back burner. But um, it's as a result of having success elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think degrees are over, overrated. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've got a degree, right, in sports management. Um, and it's... I mean, it's an upper class two one. Mm. I think it is. I have not used it once. It, until depe- it always depends on what you do. Yeah, but I mean, I've got guys in my year. Uh, one's working for an electrical company. Uh, you know, one's working for a travel insurance. One's working for a car uh, rental. Like, I did a sports degree to do sport. Not you know without not disrespecting to those com- you know companies, but I mean, at the time during COVID, it was the hardest thing to get a job because I mean everyone's looking for the job that you probably want mm. so I think uh, it's, it's hard obviously because I, w- I will rely on some of the things that I've learned through that degree uh, it's not useless <laughs> it's, it's a piece of paper no one can take it off of you yeah. but I mean you learn you learn a lot I'm a doer uh, so you learn a lot from physical things doing things experiences so um, yeah, that's think, the kind of person I am. Muzz is probably very similar. I think like that's the sort of good and bad thing about the fitness industry is that there's not many prerequisites <laughs> in order to you know get a job in in the industry. Mm. Ultimately, you know you, you pay for your level three qualification, and it's rare that you'll hear here someone will fail. Um, so you know, <laughs> if you do then you really <laughs> should. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, you know, um, I think that's what results in the fitness industry becoming so saturated um, with you know maybe subpar subpar coaching and whatever but um, it's also a blessing in disguise because it means you know I can while someone else is doing a three four year degree I can get into that industry immediately or you know after a, a 12 12 week 18 week whatever course and um, sort of start working on that craft straight away I think it relates back to what you said at the start even like how if you outwork other people obviously maybe not in a physical capacity in this sense but in everything else like I remember there's a quote I think it was that Phil Learning guy mm-hmm. he said he's, I can show it on a post or something it was like people was like PTs complaining about the industry and it was like the industry saturated with shit PTs and he just said read that again as in like well if you're not shit then you'll be fine Yeah. so yeah. it's almost like if you're willing to put in the effort and the work to actually be good then there shouldn't really be a problem I think I think the main thing is like if you if you look if you if you work hard you know you know not just it sounds silly but in a workout like you it, it actually does speak volumes though like if you're willing to you know dig deep like it does speak volumes I mean you're not willing to give up easy mm-hmm. and then you can take that into normal life I'm not saying you know if you're giving up easy you're you're like a pussy but <laughs> what I'm saying is like you, it does it speaks volumes right, in, that, sure. in that sense which brings us on nicely to CAFIT because mm. with anyone looking in um, they would probably say that you're Mr. CAFIT <laughs> um, longest serving yeah longest serving longest member serving. why is that how did it come about talk, talk to us about that um, so um, I've been member of 
kid for, I've been coaching a kid for now for about <laughs> four I remember yeah, <laughs> the kid for the team uh, I've been coaching a kid for now for about four and a half years um, so long story short going up through the age grade stuff um, I was it's not a very long story short is it <laughs> <laughs> um, I was involved in an Easter camp one year um, it was like a regional thing and one of my coaches was a guy called Jack Forrester who the player used to flat me with <laughs> and uh, yeah Marcus obviously knows as well anyway he was my coach there blah 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 three four years on so I think I was 14 or 15 when he was my coach I bumped into him in Gary Baldy's <laughs> on a night out <laughs> nightclub right? in Edinburgh generally right on a night out nightclub in Edinburgh and um, I don't know if he remembered me at the time but I remembered him <laughs> Um, he has this distinct tattoo on his calf and that's what I remembered him for anyway got chatting to him and he was like oh what are you doing now blah blah and I explained you know I was at Nuffield but um, I wasn't particularly enjoying it and um, you know I was obviously new into the industry and I was keen to learn and I wasn't finding that I was getting that there so um, he offered me the opportunity to just come down and start shadowing him down at Cave Fit um, which I you know I took that opportunity and then having done that for sort of three four weeks um, I then got into conversation with Pete, Peter Oakden, who is the, the owner of Cave Fit, um, and I decided to um, take up a job there um, as, a, as a self-employed PT now. You know, at the time, obviously there's a massive risk when you go self-employed. Um, you know, you have, to, you have to find your own clients, you have to create your own success, but I was fortunate that I was still staying at home. You know, my mom and dad don't charge me things, whatever, so um, I wasn't desperate for the money, but... I knew that if I'd gained good experience and I put myself around coaches that were already in you know position that I want to be in, then I too will follow that. Um, so yeah, that's what that's what sort of started my KFIT career, and then from there I've been like I said four and a half years now. Um, in the last year or so, I've been made the the head coach for the waterfront location. Um, so we've got two two locations currently, um, and I'm responsible for the team down there. And then on the side of KFIT stuff, I obviously have my own one-to-one personal training business, but then um, online coaching um, services too. I think when you go self-employed, especially for yourself, it does kind of hit you by surprise because you're used to you know everyone doing everything for you, but especially for you in particular, going self-employed men, I still have to work as hard, but it's all on my back if it fails you know yeah. and it's similar to you know your sport you know you play a pivotal role mm. in making sure it doesn't fail mm. you know yeah it's part of a team at the end of the day you're self-employed so you just need to you know go out and graft and everything you earn is up is you is off you yeah. yeah i think like you know i probably never really told them but you know jack who we mentioned earlier did play a massive role in you know where i am today and um, you know it was he was never you know giving you all sales tactics and stuff and all that he just taught me ultimately you know be the best coach um, you know um, develop your understanding and knowledge and, and deliver that as much as you possibly can and then the clients and the you know the money ultimately will, will follow off the back of that um, so that was always sort of um, the approach that I took it was never oh I need to have this number of clients to be able to do this blah 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 it was just you know, arm myself with the tools to be the best coach possible, and then as a byproduct, um, the clients and and you know the success followed. We'll come to you. Nice. So then, 
what about your own fitness side of things now then still mm. playing rugby but obviously doing a lot of fitness competitions yeah yeah so um still play rugby play for Watsonians in the Super 6 which is sort of a newly formed semi-professional league you just won it right? just won it 7 from <laughs> 7, from seven. Congrats, um, yeah. Yeah. Unbe- unbeaten so um, first bit of silverware with Watsonians which was good um, and then alongside that you know I'm, I'm still taking part in um, lots of functional fitness events um, we've got one of three weeks turf games in London that's the biggie and then alongside that um you know more local competitions like Scottish Fitness Games or Championships, sorry, um, and then running, running my own or um, running KFIT games mm-hmm. as well. Um, so, yeah, I think when I'm in season, rugby kind of takes the priority. Um, but then outside of that, um, it just the the functional fitness sort of um, competitions give give me a purpose to train, mm-hmm. um, which I think is you know massively important for me. Um, with regards to just you know, well, you just continuing need, to do it. You always need a goal. Like mm. if, for me personally, I don't know about you two. I think I need a goal to aim for every time. Because if you've not got a goal, then you know what you, what are you setting out to achieve. Um, if it's like six months in line, two weeks in line, still set a goal. Mm. Because when you achieve it, you're on to the next one. Yeah, I think like you know the good thing about you know training for the rugby and and training for the functional fitness competitions is that they're team events so um, you know maybe if you're in a, a solo sport you're an athlete or I don't know tennis player golfer you know if you if you don't go and you don't go do that work like it's yourself you're letting down whereas um, in the rugby and the, the functional fitness scenario it's it's myself but also 14 other lads or three other lads in a fitness competition and that alone is, you know, enough to just make you do it when you don't want to do it. Um, I so. think, I think, like, just going off that, being with you boys, you know, a lot of people say like, why are you doing that? On like, why are you working on Christmas and that, or why are you working on New Year? Like, it's because I'm with like, it's because you're in with a group. It's because you're with a group, good group of lads yeah. that are pushing you every day. And as Muzz said, if you don't turn up, you're letting them down. Mm-hmm. Like, there are days where you just can't be arsed. Let's be honest. Like, I think though, I've said this to clients as well. I'm always like, even when I have days that I can't be arsed now, like, still accountable to yourself. Even, it doesn't even cross. It's like I'm like, fuck, I can't be bothered to go and train, but I'm still walking out the door to yeah. go and train. Like, no, do you know like, what I mean? Like, should, not, I mean, obviously everyone's different, and that will come. That will come, but it doesn't. You can't just make this happen overnight. Yeah. It's years. Like, look back. Like, it's years of you turning up. You know constant turn up to training whether that's for rugby whether that's for football blah same with you you know it's 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 something you build from way back it's not something you can just do overnight yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah definitely I can definitely vouch for that <laughs> I think like on the back of that talking about like people that question like why did you do whatever and you know I'd say like my, my best advice to someone who does struggle to you know stay consistent with their training or get close to their goals is remove emotion from the equation don't rely on motivation because if we if we depend on um whether we complete or not uh complete a session or not or go to the gym or not based upon how we're currently feeling especially with more recent times stuff like covid having lots taken away from us we'd never train you know <laughs> you know people are losing jobs and mm. maybe you know don't have as much disposable income getting unwell these kind of things if we rely on how we feel um 
if that dictates you know whether I'm going to train or not you're not going to train at all so yeah. I think like instead create routines and find an environment that's going to give you the best chance of success um, you know so I'm fortunate enough that I work with or train with you know three well more than that actually about you know 10 other absolute athletes so you know it, it's those people around me that give me that that um that desire to train and then you know I make sure I go to bed on time so I don't wake up tired so you know fatigue isn't in the equation I eat properly so I don't feel lethargic that's not in the equation you know I've, I've got a program I follow that so I don't have the element of thought when I come to the gym so I'm removing all sort of factors yeah possible factors that could go wrong mm. um, in an attempt for everything to go right um, as opposed to just waking up and going how do I feel mm. bit sore probably pie it today <laughs> there's yeah. definitely a lesson that I like for people who, who do find it hard it's like people who aren't consistent will be like oh well I've had I've spoken to people like this before yeah we're like I'm not consistent enough there's no point in me getting a program right now yeah or this I'm like well actually it's maybe the opposite <laughs> because like what you're saying is like what you just said it then takes it out of the equation and that's probably some of the, the quickest feedback that I'll get in general is like oh it's so nice to not have to think about what I'm doing I'm like yeah yeah <laughs> well, that's the end of the day it's our job to make yeah. people's life easier but yeah. to obviously coach them and, and stuff but I've, I've definitely like from you guys you learn a lot from others mm-hmm. um, you know how, how you act when times are tough mm-hmm. and the biggest thing that I saw during COVID and lockdown everyone has had to adapt no one lived the same life Mm. we all had to adapt somehow yet the ones that overcame it you know at the end of the day were the ones that had obviously tough mentality but wanted it enough to overcome it yeah for sure so then last little bit then when it comes to I was wondering this when it comes to like fitness and rugby then like currently they're running alongside where can you see each going and um, for me, you know, I mean, the sort of the career span, if it were, mm-hmm. on both are probably quite similar. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't typically see people maybe play rugby past you know thirty two, thirty four, um, but you know, I've always said to myself when I'm not playing at the highest level, that's when I'll pull the pin, and that's on mm-hmm. on both sports. Um, so for just now, you know, I'm playing it, you know the highest level I'm probably capable of playing at right now and then same applies for the functional fitness stuff you know I'm not ever going to be a CrossFit Games level athlete but you know I can compete in elite competitions in, in turf etc so I think you know when when I get to the point where I feel like you know I'm a wee bit off it now that's the time that I probably make the decision to, to stop or just you know change what, what I'm currently doing but um, yeah I think right now it's quite a seasonal thing my training you know there is a season of rugby and there is yeah, a season yeah. of fitness and <laughs> thankfully right now they don't overlap so um, I'll continue to go the way I am right now I suppose nice awesome well yeah so uh, that hopefully has answered everyone's questions don't worry <laughs> um, I think we covered everything which was the main thing and hopefully you know we gave everyone a bit of an insight into you know, what Murray's life is like um, because from the outside looking in, it can look like all you know, sunshine and rainbows. But the, all the, the man does is throw yeah. weights around. <laughs> yeah, but there's it's actually rugby. the guy has some deeper, yeah. you know, meaning and 
it does span back yeah. and when you strip it back it, it is pretty interesting stuff so that, that's what, that was the idea of this podcast as well yeah. wasn't it to like get people on tell their story have them tell their story and just learn a little bit more about people that hopefully it wasn't too much rugby or that but uh, <laughs> and, and you look past it and actually look you know why those things happened and you know look at those things um, but yeah thank you for listening everyone Murray where can people find you um, Insta Murray underscore kfit that's where you'll get me that's where you'll get and uh, so get me tagged get me followed throwing around big weights exactly trying to, <laughs> trying to. nice alright cheers guys thank you very much for having me <laughs>